seniority. A long time ago, you told me that I was a senior developer. I didn't feel like a senior developer at the time, but it's always good to be a senior developer when you want to charge more per hour. And I was a consultant, so I didn't say no to that title because I could charge more per hour. And that was good. Uh, so do you remember why you said I was a senior developer? Well, uh, let's see. The way we got to know each other was that you were sort of studying computer science, uh, clearly somewhat more experienced than me when it came to the like magical and deep parts of uh, programming. And when I wanted to learn Python and Django, I talked to you because you knew more about it than I did. And you also seem to know a fair bit about the stuff I already knew, which was like PHP and JavaScript and all of that web stuff. Yep. So you were definitely, in my eyes, more experienced and more knowledgeable than I was. And I was given a sort of senior title. So I, I did the the slightly weird path to it where I was a, probably a CTO before I was a senior developer. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you weren't a CTO at the time. So. <laughs> yeah, so I was a CTO at the time. Yeah. Uh, a fairly inexperienced one. Yeah. But then when I stopped being a CTO, I mean, I had been leading tech work for at least two years straight. And then it seemed like a weird thing to not call yourself a senior. And I think the senior junior division was just starting to show up. So people kept talking about like, oh, we want someone more senior. And most of the people around me at the time referenced me as a senior, not maybe explicitly, but when you were discussing that kind of thing, like, oh, we can't bring in more juniors now. We need to find someone more senior. They meant someone closer to my skill set or my experience level or beyond it for, for all they knew. But yeah, I was definitely at the time implicitly senior. And then when I left that position as CTO and left that company, I had no issue putting senior on my uh, resume be or rather uh, <laughs> like assuming myself a senior because for one thing, I am a white man. Uh, You're also quite tall. I'm a, yes, yes, tall. I'm not sure if tall helps for seniority. But oh, it does. And, and okay. you have, have a good deep voice. It's also good. You're the one with the deep voice. <laughs> the deeper voice. <laughs> no, but for sure, I think I have a tendency to make people trust my technical opinions whether that's a good idea or not which also helps so but i already knew at that point that the type of like it i was in so let's let's uh, disregard sort of the big tech companies for now i was not in a formal company i was not in a big company there was not a ladder or there wasn't a system of sort of levels so it was just this 
very vague idea of someone who was senior. And there was absolutely no qualifiers <laughs> around what that meant. Beyond uh, you have some experience, you can take responsibility, and you get paid a lot more. So that seemed fine to me. <laughs> Indeed. And that, so when I went to my next job, I sort of went at it with a senior viewpoint. I like the, the uh, like a foregone conclusion, I guess, that I was applying as a senior experienced person. So I've never been granted that title explicitly. So in some terms, I, I guess I don't have it. Maybe I'm not senior. But from my viewpoint, with me being a senior enough developer to call myself a senior and obviously get away with it, which is sort of the, the true test in my eyes, uh, that also means that anyone who seems more or similarly experienced to me is reasonably senior, or that's at least the, the tack I took at the time. So that obviously made you senior. Cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting all of that because what I was going to ask you about what were the qualifiers for being a senior developer, and then you said that there weren't any, and <laughs> <laughs> so you answered my question. Uh, <laughs> I'm helpful that way. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> like all senior developers, so. I do, I do have some ideas what could make a senior developer a senior developer. And that there are some properties that are, that I look for. Like the person is, but I don't know if this is about seniority or if it's more like the, that's my idea of a good developer. Yeah. So let's hear them. Uh, one of the things that is that they are self self propelled isn't the right word. <laughs> That's what a rocket so is. So self propelled is actually pretty decent because I'm not sure self motivated is entirely right. Indeed, but you don't even have to wind them up; they just keep going. Is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, they just go, uh, and you can throw them into the deep end, and they will either get out of there or say. All of this is too nebulous. I can't. I can't work with this. Let's whiteboard this out or something like that. Uh, so independent is also one of those. I'm. Maybe I just want people that are a bit like me. That's kind of the. <laughs> yeah, but that is also what sort of if you look at the job copy of postings that ask for seniority yeah they also like oh we want someone self-motivated we want someone driven who can do things uh, from start to finish and run them themselves and very independent that kind of thing is incredibly common yeah. why because it's no one really knows how to do it and it's super annoying if you have to figure that out so you'd rather have someone that can make it work on their own <laughs> <laughs> that's that's maybe the dimmer view of of those requirements but i don't think that's entirely unfair either indeed you need a very thick forehead to be able to 
to go through or to survive <laughs> when doing software development. That, that, that didn't sound good. Um, <laughs> but, but there are some, some I think there are some pro- other properties that a good developer has, like um, being able to feel like a total worthless shit for long periods, periods of time and getting out of it and and just surviving as a human being. Maybe I'm expressing myself in weird ways here, but when I'm debugging or building something and getting stuck, after a while I, I start to I start to doubt my own competence and then sanity. And then uh, I start to to doubt gravity and a lot of other you know basic things and after a while i get back into the the real world and figure out what is this problem really and maybe other people don't have that kind of journey when they <laughs> are programming <laughs> it just struck so, me <laughs> i think being persistent like needing to be able to to be persistent in the face of an uncaring uh adversary or an uncaring system yep i mean that's for one thing a good thing for surviving in capitalism but (laughs) but also like computers don't care about about your struggles and they can make, make you feel very very stupid yep but it's also fairly satisfying to solve problems with computers sometimes totally so i think you get a ideally you get some upside on the on the other end of that yeah it's it's but i don't know if that sort of signal to seniority it, i don't know if it's even required for doing a good job of development i think it's, it's sort of a symptom of doing development <laughs> it's the other way around <laughs> it's just that's that's just part of, of what's happening you, yeah you i mean being resilient to it I guess it's good. But what I typically hear, like this is what you want from a, a senior, it's that they should be, for one thing, taking responsibility and ownership, but also they should be able to help others. They should be able to uh, work at a sort of architectural level, work at multiple levels, like in-depth, higher perspective, st- st- starting towards the strategic those are fairly used, like common. I also see a lot of things that conflate, I think, being a senior and experienced developer and being a leader. Yeah. Which uh, I don't necessarily think it's bad to conflate those two because by having the position of, of sort of this is our experienced developer, you also have a ton of implicit leadership uh, there new people will assume that what you're saying is reasonable and they will usually listen to to what you ask of them and that kind of thing so you have leadership authority in many cases big mistake when it comes to me and in that case it what big mistake when it comes to me never <laughs> trust what i say <laughs> so I think uh, the expectation of sort of leadership qualities 
lines up with in any field the more experienced you get the more responsibility you typically amass and that requires more sort of leadership skill and and people management unless you really really avoid it yeah and i've i think it was i heard ladybugs podcast talk about seniority cool and for a while i was like but this this doesn't make any sort of sense to me and the thing is the way people talk about seniority has shifted under our feet for a while and also i never went into programming considering what would me my path to senior be because that wasn't necessarily a thing or if it was it wasn't where i was <laughs> <laughs> That you were thinking, oh, I'm going to make senior over this or that amount of time. And I know th they also addressed this when they were talking about it. So I think they, they covered the ground well. I just didn't recognize sort of the, <laughs> the place it was all taking place in. Because I came up in the industry sort of before this was a big conversation, I think. Hmm. And also I don't work at big companies where seniority is defined because they typically do define levels and different types of titles you can have and earn. Yep. And I've never had that. I've just like, oh, yeah, put me down as a senior software developer. <laughs> cool. Put it in my contract. Makes it true. It's a nice title. It's like... Um... If you're the founder of a company, you become the CEO. And that's like, <laughs> you don't level up to that. Yeah, that's a weird one. So I didn't start as a CTO at the company I was CTO of, mm -hmm. even though I was one of the founders. I started as sort of tech lead. Yeah. And then we discussed more, sort of more responsibility and more, more pay yep. because I was working my uh, behind off. And that was when the CTO thing came in. And it didn't really change what I was doing all that much because I was already responsible for everything on the tech, under the technical sun. So, <laughs> Did you get access to the C-level meetings or something? Well, I already had that <laughs> to the extent <laughs> that they existed. I mean, we had, we had a CEO and a CTO. Later... Uh, we added some CMO and stuff, but yeah. I think they mostly excused me from C-level meetings because they couldn't spare the time out of my schedule. <laughs> uh, it was it was a silly ride. Yeah, but yeah, titles like I have never really cared about them as long as I don't feel like I'm being underappreciated or undervalued. And if I was in a system where there were formal definitions of roles and stuff. I'm sure I would have opinions about it in that way. Yeah. Much like I don't care a ton about the money aspect of my work. For, but that's because like for years now I have been making enough that I don't have to worry. Like a, a typical developer salary is usually fine to live off of it is 
you have to get yourself some slightly expensive habits to not be able to live from it. And after that, the only times I really bothered about how much I made was when I wasn't feeling appreciated. Yeah. And then it became important. Same here. It's the scoreboard. Yeah. It just tells you, it gives you a number to reference when the rest of the signal is poor. Yeah. This just struck me. I, I, uh, when I worked at a consultancy, it was very important for me how much I earned. Uh, <laughs> my boss there kind of botched the payment increase interview too. So I didn't feel really like appreciated. And now I actually earn less than I did there. And I'm not thinking about money at all because it's, it's still enough. And now I'm having fun. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good trade. And yeah, sort of the consulting I do, I'm definitely focused on the money, partly because uh, it now it really matters. It's not <laughs> like the business that hands me my money is my business, and I'm very well aware of what the what the general cash level is. Yep. But also, it remains the scoreboard of how am I doing and making money leads to me being able to say oh i can make do with less money and more free time let's let's make some of that trade so that that's sort of what i'm optimizing for and at this point i'm having trouble with sort of what what do i title myself because there's there's a ton of ways to do it and none of them are particularly good <laughs> you are the ceo right i'm i guess i'm technically the ceo or as in it would be in swedish vd yes with the venereal disease. Varg Stellande Director. Very good title. Yeah. So Vice Director. No. Varg Stellande Director. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's, it maps very well to CEO because that's Chief Executive Officer. Yeah, so I guess this would mostly be Executive Officer. Yeah. <laughs> executive Director. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but like sometimes I can tack that on, but uh, that mostly feels silly. Uh, sometimes I go by sort of executive janitor. <laughs> yeah. Alti allo. Uh, so uh, jack of all basically uh, <laughs> is one that I have been using in Swedish. But like, what am I? Actually, I had to update a statement of work for a contract uh, for a client huh. today. Yeah. And I think I went for systems consultant. Because I needed something vague that was clear that it was in a mostly advisory role, yeah. which that particular engagement is. And it like the suggested title was API engineer, which was not accurate to anything I do at that this point. It yeah. was accurate sort of at some initial point, but not not no not anymore. But yeah, that kind of when you're doing consulting, the titles are so, so arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, and the greater the title, the more money you can make, in theory at least. Uh, Patrick McKenzie has an article about this. I haven't read it for years, so I don't know how, how much I agree with it anymore. Is it the don't call yourself a developer? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've... 
I've leaned on that some here and there, but most people are still looking for me to do software development. Uh, so it, it's a little bit moot. It is indeed. But on the other hand, you're the, you're the expert that's uh, parachuted in to do something very, very specific. While when I was a consultant, I was staff augmentation. So it's mm, two different things. Yeah, and with staff augmentation, actually, the level sometimes matter very specifically because in the contract it says whether so this is the hourly rate for a consultant and this is the hourly rate for an expert and this is the hourly rate for this. Exactly. But that's mostly for sort of public sector contracts, I think. Probably, I don't know. So what's your, uh, what's your title right now? Are you a senior? I'm a senior. And I don't care. Do you feel like a senior? I, I, I think I'm having great problems not taking responsibility for stuff. I don't know why. But I generally take responsibility often more than I should. It was, um, I had a mentor at my first real job who said, you're the kind of person who takes way too much responsibility and then feels bad about it. So here's my career tip. Try to blame someone else. And (laughs) how did that work out? (laughs) That tip feels, doesn't feel very good at the the beginning, but he explained it. (laughs) So the idea is I worked as a systems administrator. I was uh, the ops person for uh, the site, or not the site as in site, a site as in website. And um, it was my responsibility that it was online all times. And as you know, something can't be online at all times. So yeah, that was a good start. Uh, So the idea there is, for instance, if I get a new release from the developers and it doesn't work, then I need to show them that they have messed up. But I can only show them that they are messed up by making sure that my stuff works. And then I can say, okay, these things don't work because of, and then give back the release to them. Please fix. Yeah. And not try to bend over backwards to make it work. Because that will break the organization eventually too. And make me sad. So it was, was, he learned me many good things. Yeah, that sounds sort of like a good, a good place to, or a good lesson to learn, I guess, which, yep. which is, I, I hear it as, as just a being about boundaries. Yep. Because even if you are responsible and you're taking responsibility and you're taking ownership, you are ideally taking ownership of something uh, like a scope a domain a piece of tech and if you see work show up that is outside of your responsibility but someone thinks it is yours then there's a good reason or that's a that's a good moment to show that you also know the bounds and that can actually say no hold on i need you to fix this or this isn't really uh, something i can fix or should be fixing so so this is <laughs> i'll throw this one back exactly but yeah i think sort of the 
my ideal vision of what seniority means, I guess, is a sort of, well, a fairly deep technical skill set in whatever your specialization or generalization is. But also having having felt a bit of pain and having earned a few scars and having hopefully gleaned some wisdom from that process. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you have to, to have all a good chunk of gray hairs to sort of start calling yourself a senior developer. I think there are different ways of, of getting to a point where where it's defensible to call yourself senior. In some ways, I think people should do it as soon as they can. Or I, I would have advise self-assured people can hold back a little bit. <laughs> pe- people that tend to doubt themselves a lot and underestimate themselves. And if you don't know if you do this, ask your friends. They would. They would know. But those people should probably just assume that they are senior by now. (laughs) No, I don't know. But I feel so silly saying, oh, but I'm I'm sure of my I'm sure of my seniority. But in the end, seniority is in the eye of the beholder, because the type of seniority I delivered doing Drupal and WordPress sites was very different from the level level of seniority I think I provide to my clients today. But everyone involved in either of those uh, time periods knew and felt that I was knowledgeable and experienced. Yeah. Somehow. My friend Eric, I came to think of this. My friend Eric said that you cannot be generally senior. You can only be senior within an area of expertise. I don't know if I agree with that. And he isn't here, so he can defend himself. But I'll just uh, lift the idea that you can only be senior within an area of expertise. And there's something very nice about that idea. Yeah. Then you get, yeah, I'm a senior Python developer. I know I know my ways around Python, yeah. but I may be only a medium seniority. Yeah, this is why do we only have two levels? <laughs> <laughs> because it's junior developer, it's developer, and then it's senior. Oh, okay, so then I'm a developer when it comes to Haskell, for instance. I, I'm go. No one wants to be intermediate because that sounds bad. I don't know. I could be a medium rare. Like it, it, it's an in-between. Uh, I don't want to be immediate at anything. Uh, I think we might want to bring back journeyman. That's such a... But baby journey person. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, even though I'm kind of immediate when it comes to Haskell, uh, Haskell is interesting because you have an exponential rate of learning stuff and and it's such a huge area but when we combine all of these things i do have skills and uh, that i do have skills that i can apply on both python haskell javascript and so on that 
isn't really tied to any of the specific areas I work in. Yeah, so I would say that 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 sort of indicates seniority in programming as a wider yep. thing. It's not all of it. Maybe you would be very stumped by .NET. I don't know. We can assume that. <laughs> Let's assume. <laughs> Much like I would be very, very slow and inefficient if someone put me in front of writing a bunch of C++ or C because it's not something I have done a ton and I barely know where to start. But if you... So, for example, in your case, I, I imagine you would say that you're fairly experienced at using Linux. Yep. And you're fairly experienced at being a web developer. Yes. And you're fairly experienced at programming in a number of different languages. Yes. But you're not... a but you're not super experienced as a let's say Haskell developer you there you are aware that there are depths that you are not at <laughs> indeed i for instance i haven't published a paper so <laughs> <laughs> is that is that sort of part of the part of the necessary path of haskell development i don't really know but i i think there's like it's exponential. So it, it's between it's between being able to compile and run your own code and actually using it for web development. In between there, you have to publish a paper. Nah, it's it's uh, on the far end of the spectrum. Okay, okay. And working on the compiler is somewhere there too. And it's come to think of it, <laughs> uh, maybe my scales are completely off when it comes to Haskell. Because I've I've been around people who have done all these things, and that shouldn't really be expected of <laughs> your common programmer. So yeah, academia is fun. Do you have the same feelings around Elixir? That there's exponential, I don't know, seniority, something. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Because I think the end game of Elixir is still mostly shipping production software for industry purposes, not industrial purposes, but uh, sort of for in industry. Yeah. There are aspects of it where you might, for example, consider being deep in the, in the open source work to be sort of part of the trajectory in Elixir. But I feel like that comes in, that can come in quite early you can contribute in the open source and very early on. The deeper things with that ecosystem, I would say, is working on Elixir itself. So that lines up with the <laughs> contributing to the compiler of Haskell, I guess. Yep, it does. But also the deeper depths of going into Erlang and OTP. Yeah. And because that's that's a lot of C code, I believe. And then there's also like, oh, how much work are you doing with NIFs, for example, native implemented functions? Are you are you slinging C and writing or Rust or Zig and writing native code to super optimize some part of your your stuff? Maybe 
if you're doing that. That that's sort of a bar that I haven't crossed, which means it's one of the ones I respect. <laughs> Anything I've done is obviously easy, and I have to remind myself when working with people that aren't super experienced that everything <laughs> like that that comes at you from the other end as well so when you're starting out anything you haven't done is essentially impossible yes uh, or very seems very difficult and anything you've done seems like oh tch, that was that was easy enough and i haven't i haven't learned a thing because at least that that's sort of how I accidentally view things. It's not that I have this vast amount of experience. Uh, I don't have this big horde of things I know how to do. That That's not my feeling. It's like, oh, but how would I do this? I think I'm getting a little bit more, or I've gotten a lot more self-assured about the things I know how to do around web dev and uh, some distributed system stuff and like uh, development that isn't web specific that I know going a number of years back, I would have said, oh, I'm not sure how, how I would tackle that. It does get a bit easier, but it's still, I hold anything that I could, that I haven't tried yet or that I would find difficult. That I hold in high regard, and things I can do are eh, anyone could learn it, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is both uh, true and not very helpful. <laughs> Indeed. So, how do you? You have have some coworkers now, right, in a team? Yeah. And how do you not taint them with this? Ah, this is so simple. Thing. Because one of the most demoralizing things I know is when someone says, ah, that's easy, and then it isn't. I'm trying really hard not to use the word simple or just or let's just do this and then uh, uh, this is obvious or let's just, let's just, like that, that thing can really, yeah, it, it's a... <laughs> it's a stupidly fast way of dismissing the difficulty. Yeah. And I find it challenging to sometimes see the difficulty of of the work my colleagues are doing that I know how I would do. Yeah. Not just because I know how to do it, but also when you're looking at something from a distance, you forget about all the or you can skip all the details, much like when you're estimating something. Oh, uh, yeah, this this seems like it should be easy enough. Uh, <laughs> it would be this amount of time, and then you don't double it, and then you're screwed. Oh, yes. Because you're skimming over the details and all of the headaches and all of the, oh, why doesn't Docker work now? Yeah. Uh, it's probably because you haven't set the memory limit on macOS. Uh, <laughs> that was one of today's <laughs> challenges, and it was... That's actually that's actually sort of a, a weird signal about the kind of general experience level. There were uh, strange errors in the middle of running a Docker file. Yeah. The only signal was 
like the end error was the docker something something could connect to the docker daemon hmm. but the last message was oh this make file uh, or this make command killed and i was like huh that doesn't sound like there was an error that we ran into in the make file indeed which was the first concern but rather something killed the process okay from my experience, when do things get randomly killed in operating systems? Well, that's usually a memory thing. Yes. The OOM killer. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's a Linux thing more specifically, typically. Yes. And what does Docker run inside, inside of it? Well, Linux. Yes. So let's see. Oh, let's just search for uh, like a Docker process getting randomly killed. Uh, and I was expecting it to be a memory thing. Yep. Like, oh... Yeah, it's probably because Mac OS ships with a default of two gigs of memory for Docker. And that wasn't enough, I guess. Yeah, that was not enough uh, for that particular script. Cool. And raise the limit and voila, it works. But there was no really clear signal <laughs> that that was the issue, aside from me knowing that things that are randomly killed... Uh, that's a thing that happens, and it's almost always memory. <laughs> or they're stepping over some other boundaries that they always won't have. Yeah, but it's almost always memory. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Probably because that's the hardest limit. I mean, the, the CPU, if you're overreaching on the CPU, typically that just means you don't get any more CPU time, yep. or there isn't any more CPU time, and that slows things down. But I don't know if you typically get killed for it. No, you won't. And you won't get killed if you open too many files. But No, you'll just fail. Yeah, and then, then the program will crash itself. If you run on OpenBSD, for instance, and you try to use something you're not allowed to use, you're killed instantly. Hmm. That's kind of nice. Also kind of frustrating, I bet. Yeah, but it's a secure and safe system, so it should do that. Yeah. No, but this uh, sort of that kind of error uh, discovery and sort of figuring things out where you have a very quick signal, like that's a sort of, when people can do that, it typically means they have a certain, it's not a thing you can do without having some experience. Yeah. You need to have been bitten by it before and spent those two days. Yeah troubleshooting it or maybe that week yeah and then you don't have to do it again and yeah it's it's hard to transmit that i think that just comes with comes with working up experience yeah and like you can help transmit that kind of thing like when you run into it you can communicate it to your your team members and that kind of thing but yeah but working with with my team members who are a variety of experience levels and a variety of experience levels in different areas. Ooh. So I would say like we have one that's done a lot of things with sort of DevOps and servers, seem very comfortable there. Yep. One that's much more comfor comfortable with CSS and design work than anyone else on the team. One that knows probably more about sort of CS concepts and... I would say the meta of programming. 
Yeah. Like programming as a, an intellectual intellectual pursuit. Or like the mathsy part. Yeah, or uh, the computer science part. Yep. And I think that's that's interesting because you can have all of these sort of slightly specialized interests and realize that someone knows that quite well but might not know how to troubleshoot a particular kind of bug or it might take some time to figure out how to set up a rest endpoint because the first time you do it or the third time you do it that's always always a challenge but the it's like the 12th time you're trying to set up a rest endpoint you're not even thinking indeed and sometimes that bites you. <laughs> I'm not very particular about what I'm doing in some cases where I'm just bored out of my skull that I have to do it. <laughs> Let's just copy this code and get it over with. Out in production. Go, go, go. I won't even try to run the code because I'm so bored. <laughs> I know how this works. <laughs> That's what CI and CD is for, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't have... Uh, tests running when when we commit on the place I work right now and it has actually not bitten me yet but it will I know this <laughs> so um, my idea is to to add that before it bites me yeah so knowing that code base I mean you have a test suite yep. and hopefully you haven't broken it so it still runs uh, kind of if we run it uh, five or six times it usually works because there are some interesting timing issues. Oh, yeah. In yeah, your I, code, I, actually. Yeah, I'm not surprised. There were <laughs> timing challenges. And... Yeah. I don't trust time. Have I told you that? <laughs> yeah. So see, see if you can remove that. Uh, you might be able to rip those tests out, but maybe they're also being helpful. They are helpful. I imagine they are being helpful because some of that logic is very finicky. Yeah, sadly enough. No, but GitHub Actions. I think you should be able to set up GitHub Actions for, for running those tests. Yeah, I think I should look into that quite soon. Yeah, it doesn't take all that much to run tests in, in GitHub Actions. Indeed. And then get all that sweet uh, <laughs> another safety net. That's so good. Yeah. But that's also, there's tons of things where where seniority sort of plays a role in the sense of experience. And I only care about seniority in the sense of knowledge and experience, I guess. Like, oh, I don't really care if you call yourself a senior. The only time it would be annoying if someone called themselves senior is if they actually had no clue what they were doing. <laughs> and that kept biting us. Like that, no. then I would be annoyed that they are calling themselves senior because it's sort of false advertising. Yeah. And it means that, that they're probably a little bit full of themselves because they're both grabbing onto a title and not self-aware. Or they're trying to fake it until they make it and they are not very good at it. Yeah, and I have a hard time blaming anyone for that. I'm, I arguably did exactly that, but I th thought I was pretty decent. Yeah, you know, you know, it's the the other side of the imposter syndrome. Like, okay, I know I'm an imposter. Let's see how long it takes before anyone else notices. 
surprisingly long is the answer. <laughs> so, or maybe I'm not an imposter. I don't know. Yeah. An- another crux or interesting viewpoint on this is that I've come into two projects so far where I've been quite good at Python. And these were Python code bases. And I was absolutely, I couldn't do anything because I needed to know the projects first. So even though I knew Python, I knew my ways around stuff and I knew grep, grep is a lifesaver. Maybe I should have created my toolbox to include uh, go rip grep, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and maybe those sweet, ah, um, oh, what's the name? I've lost it completely. Microsoft's uh, stuff. Um, ah, whatever. Yeah. Microsoft stuff commands. Yes. Yes. Let's, yes. And uh, so I could jump around in the code and make assumptions and guesses and so on. But it took a while before I was productive. And add to that microservices and uh, yeah. But so I guess that's that's another viewpoint. And when you change jobs you didn't you have an intimate knowledge of the systems you were going to work on in the new place like back in a long time ago so yeah so when i left the cto job yeah first i stepped down from ctoing due to burnout and just did i guess senior developer things yep but then I tagged along with a product out of that company and into the company that that had paid us to build their, that product for them. So I kept working on a system I knew intimately. Yeah. Yeah. And that definitely helps sort of alleviate imposter syndrome at the new place. Yeah. The only thing that was sort of a discussion there was, well, it didn't turn out so good for your last company. Are you going to do do a crap job here too (laughs) did they say that (laughs) well i don't know if you like yeah you've met you met the man who was my boss back then he was he was more tactful than that but not by not by a lot so it it is a hilarious and extremely untactful thing to say (laughs) yeah but it was it was good that we also had that conversation like, okay, but there were quality issues at, at the company you were, you were at. Yeah. Will we have quality issues with you here? That's the concern we have. And that was like, I'm, I'm glad they brought that up because then we've had, we at least had that conversation. It will, if not, and we moved forward anyway and it sort of worked out. And then we built a new version of that system based off of this system. And I kept running that system for a long time. Yeah. But, but yeah, like tagging along with a code base. <laughs> I mean, that, that does help. But I also started working in a code base I hadn't spent time in. So I had two code bases at that new job. Cool. Essentially. And uh, I don't know. I never... I'm never all that hesitant of diving in an, into a new code base. I don't know why that is. I can be frustrated while doing it, 
because there's always so much that's ah this doesn't make any sense and then like <laughs> two weeks later it's like oh yeah yeah now i get why that's the way it is <laughs> i still don't like it but i know why i'm still gonna be grumpy about it yes. because i didn't like it the first time <laughs> stupid code yeah i know those feelings yeah but i i don't think it's a very applicable thing like oh but move around with a product that gets bought and sold. That's that's a career tip. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not very actionable. But fun. Uh, but yeah, it, it, of course, it, it helps to be, to be comfortable. I think what might be actionable from that is if you're switching jobs, it can help if you are keeping at least part of the tech stack or the type of work the same yep. so if you're entirely switching technology stacks like oh i'm going from windows uh, c sharp and net to node.js on linux and i've never done that before that's gonna be a heck of a lift wow yeah that will be painful yeah that, that's gonna be be a lot but maybe going from csharp.net to uh, .net core on linux instead of windows i mean that then you can transfer a bunch of your skills fairly easily yep and then maybe you throw out the csharp.net or core or whatever <laughs> and then you pick up something else and but you're still on linux and now voila you have moved <laughs> yes and there are many ways to do linux nowadays yeah, it's it gets into everything. Yes. Once you have Linux, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> like herpes. Sure, that's the likeness I would go with. Yeah, it's in your brain. And when, when you get a cold, it goes... Rawr. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I was going for maybe ants or something, but yeah, let's, I, let's go I, with herpes. <laughs> I trust that you won't quote me on this. <laughs> Linux, it's like herpes. <laughs> <laughs>